0: Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Fluky from St. Peter Lutheran Church in Green, Iowa. Today is Sunday, January 23rd, the third Sunday after the Epiphany. Whether you're watching this right away on Sunday morning or sometime later in the day or later in the week or whenever you're watching, I'm glad God has brought you here. Thanks for joining me for a scripture reading and a message. There is a link in the video description if you would like to give an offering to support our congregation's work here at St. Peter, and of course we'd really appreciate that. And it's great to see who's watching, so if you'd like to, comment hello or good morning or something like that in the comments on this video. As we prepare for our annual meeting coming up next Sunday and our 150th anniversary festivities this year, we are looking this week, last week, and next week at The image that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, and he describes the church as the body of Christ. So last week, we read the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about the Holy Spirit giving each of us spiritual gifts, everything we need to do the mission to which God has called us. Our gifts are different, but they all come from the same spirit. They're all intended for the common good. Paul continues in today's reading by explaining that we are the body of Christ together. And I love this chapter because Paul is really committed to this metaphor. He's talking about the eyes and the ears of the body of Christ. And I think if he kept going, he he could have gotten to the little toe of the body of Christ. Something like, what's your role in this church? Well, I'm the spleen of the body of Christ. Wouldn't that be a great t-shirt? Here's the reading from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, every one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, those members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable We clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. Here ends the reading. Isn't that a great image? Paul makes it very clear that every part of the body is important and unique. If the whole body were an eye, the hearing would be missing. If we all were ears, the smell would be missing. But God has arranged all the members in the body together to be church together. We're all connected. We can't just break off and go our own way together were the body of Christ. Paul says, if one member suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. We are called as a community to be a community, to support each other, to care for each other. Maybe the best example I can think of in the life of the church is funerals. When a spouse or a family are grieving, The community comes alongside them to support them. People show up with casseroles. We sing together at the funeral service with others carrying the tune when, when you can't. We eat together. We carry each other through grief and loss. Of course, sometimes we all fall short of that calling. It's a sad reality, thinking about funerals, that some people are better known than others and more people show up for their funerals. But the idea is there. The care is there, even when it's fewer people representing the community. Sometimes this language of the body, of members of the body, trips us up. and We start thinking the church is some kind of a club where you pay dues and you get the privilege of getting the newsletter and renting out the clubhouse. I suppose that would be the fellowship hall. That's the world's model of membership and it always leads to exclusion and hierarchy. The church, Paul says, is different. The church is a body where the parts are connected to each other. It's something more organic. Jesus is at the head, and all the rest of us are at the same level. We are all uniquely gifted, as we talked about last week, and we are all indispensable to the body of Christ. If we are truly church together, If we are truly the body of Christ, each body part is necessary, from the little toenail to the earlobe of the church. All are valued. This is not American capitalism's model where the CEO is paid some 351 times more than the average worker. This is not the Roman army where the lowly soldiers are at the bottom of the ladder and their only duty is to obey and support the emperor and their commanding officers. This is not even a sports team where everyone is needed, but if you get hurt or have a couple bad games, you get cut from the team and replaced. No one gets to be put up on a pedestal, exalted over everyone else. But also, no one gets cut from the team. Membership in Christ's body means you have something to contribute to the work of Christ. You don't get too old to be part of the church or too poor or too busy. The particular tasks you're doing might change, and they probably ought to change sometimes. But all your gifts are needed. Your presence, your prayers, your participation in the community of faith wherever you are is essential. The church is the people of God living out their lives called and enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Now obviously, that's easier said than done. It's easy, I think, for the church to make mistakes on both sides. We live in a culture that is often obsessed with celebrities, right? Sometimes because they're obviously gifted, sometimes just because they're celebrities. And it's easy for that to carry over from the world into the church. You can probably name some Christian celebrities, maybe televangelists or singers. I won't pick on any here, but I could definitely come up with a list if I tried. And even in smaller churches, in small towns, maybe especially in smaller towns, it is so easy for the pastor to get put up on a pedestal as the model of faith. And it's tempting. It's tempting for the pastor, right? I liked that when I got here, I got a front page article in the recorder. I saved a few copies. I still have them. But in Paul's vision of the church, the pastor is not more important than anybody else in the body. The council president and the treasurer and the organist and the secretary and the youth director and the committee members and the the biggest givers are not more important or valuable than anyone else. We're in this together. The Holy Spirit gives different people different gifts so we can serve different roles. So being a pastor, my particular role, means being called by the congregation to do something in particular, ordained to a uniquely public form of ministry, to be the one who gets stuck in front of a camera to talk on behalf of the congregation. So pastors are more visible than others, but when we make pastors more valuable, when we make musicians more valuable, when we make staff more valuable, we're missing the message of what Paul is saying. Companies like Netflix use the term membership as well. But church is not a business or a public utility with a group of subscribers. Worship is not just content we consume. The life of faith is a journey we are all on together. Lutheran theology calls it the priesthood of all believers. We all have access to God. We are all part of the church, not just the professional religious folks, Now, it's also easy to make the opposite error, right? Paul says, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So if we are the body of Christ, we can't just write off people for not giving enough or not being on a committee or being too young or too old or not getting their picture taken for the directory or not being good enough or committed enough to do whatever, if I had the people in worship stand up and arrange themselves in a row from the least important to the most important of the church, well, first of all, I hope they'd all rebel and not do it, but I think Jesus would be, where? At the back of the line, saying, turn around, the ones back at the end of the line are indispensable. As Jesus says elsewhere, the last will be first and the first will be last. We don't get to assign value To people, Jesus already did that. Jesus looked at each person, each of you watching today, each person in this community, each person in the church around the world, all of humanity, and declared, you are worth dying for. Jesus looks at each person in the community of faith, the church, each person gathered by the Holy Spirit, each person joined together in baptism, each person fed at the Lord's table and says, I have a job for you. You have been gifted with spiritual gifts. You have been equipped by the Holy Spirit, and you are called to join in the work God is doing in this world, to join in Jesus' mission. And what is that mission? Well, today's gospel reading gives us a really good place to start. This is the first sermon that we have recorded of Jesus preaching, and I like to think of it as Jesus' mission statement according to Luke. So here's the Gospel reading. This is Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was brought to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So what is Jesus' mission? Bringing liberation, proclaiming good news, proclaiming there is a better option than the ways of this broken world. God is at work, setting prisoners free, giving sight to the blind, liberating the oppressed, proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming God's reign. And that liberation is for you. You have been set free. You that Jesus was speaking to, you that Jesus is still speaking to, you watching this, you have been set free, forgiven, and called to join in this work. Perhaps less literally than Jesus himself did. I can't personally heal blind people, but we can work for justice. We can work for people to have health care, to be free from hunger and poverty, to be released from situations of captivity. We can stand up for the oppressed, for the people our world and our culture ignore. That is the work we are called to be involved in, God's work, that none of us can do on our own. You can't go off by yourself and be a Christian without the rest of the church. You can't accomplish God's mission on your own. Not everyone gets excited about every cause, about every aspect of the mission. Not everyone has the skills or the gifts or the ability to work on any one part of Jesus' mission. That's the beauty of being church together. Do all possess gifts of healing, Paul asks. Are all teachers? No but each of us is called to use the gifts we have to do God's work for the common good, as we talked about last week. No matter what your physical ability is, you can pray. No matter what your financial resources are, you can give something to support God's work, whether it's through this church or through some other aspect. Even if it's only a penny, you have something you can offer. Remember the story last week of Jesus turning water into wine God can use whatever we have to offer. In God's hands, that penny can be as valuable as a million-dollar check that some people can give because God provides whatever is needed. It takes every member of the church for the body of Christ to be whole. We have diverse gifts, diverse abilities, backgrounds, vocations, and that diversity is a gift from God. Where but church can you get Toddlers and great-grandparents in the same room who aren't related to each other. That diversity and all the other diversity is needed for Jesus' mission to build God's kingdom. We have that diversity within our own congregation, and it's why we're also part of a wider church denomination. Next week, I have a video to show about how an ELCA World Hunger Grant is providing chickens for people in Appalachia so they get good protein for their diet. The church is working together on our behalf to help neighbors you and I will never meet around the world. A couple days ago on Wednesday night, we had Father Kevin, a Roman Catholic priest, here with us in confirmation class to share with our kids about what it means to be part of the Roman Catholic tradition. And guess what? They worship Jesus too. The body of Christ is much more diverse, much more gifted than any one of us, than even our entire congregation, and it's all joined together by the Holy Spirit. In one spirit, Paul says, we were baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many, and you are part of that one body. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, you have gathered us together in the body of Christ. You have called us to join in your work. Help us as we seek to live out your mission, to value each other's contributions. Help us to live with humility, putting others before ourselves, caring for and supporting each other in this community and all of our neighbors. Lord, thank you for being with each of us as we are on this journey of faith as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before wrapping up, I want to tell you again about our annual congregational meeting coming up next Sunday, January 30th, 9.30 930 a.m. worship, 10.30 a.m. right after worship is that meeting. So if you are a confirmed member of St. Peter Lutheran Church, I hope that you'll be here for the meeting. You do have to be in person for that. We'll be passing a budget, doing some constitutional updates, and making some decisions on screens and cameras in the sanctuary, uh, which, if we do it, will help with live streaming and make it so you can participate from home in worship as well or when you're traveling um, or at the care center. We will still have a Saturday service as well next week. I'll have a recorded message here as well, looking at the next chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and what it is that Paul says is the most important part of what we do as the body of Christ. Now, receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.